We're really looking forward to hearing from the Lord these evenings. Um, also a reminder, you can, there's a sign-up sheet for meals. Um, welcome him into your home or to a restaurant or wherever, but uh, welcome him and bless his family in that way. Also prayer meeting uh, each evening at 7.20. Encourage you to be there um, and cry out to the Lord as, as we do together. Um, and thank you for the good attendance tonight, those of you who were at prayer meeting. Without further announcements, let's stand for a word of prayer, and we'll turn the time over to Brother Terry. Terry, if you want to come up. Our Father in heaven, we come into your presence in the name of Jesus Christ tonight, and we thank you for the blood that was shed on our behalf, that we can call upon you. And I just pray for your anointing on Brother Terry tonight and through this week. Lord, may you empower him. May the Holy Spirit just give him unction and clarity of thought. And I just pray, Lord, that you would move mightily in my heart and in each of our hearts as we open our hearts before you. I just pray you would minister through our brother tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Lord bless you. Thank you. Good evening. It's a blessing to be here at home. When I say good evening, they say good evening back. So good evening. That's good. That's good. Um, Well, my wife is along with me and our three younger children. They're 13, 11, and 8. And then I have two older sons at home that are 24 and 22. And um, they are not with us. So we have five children, four boys, one girl. We're from the Cuba congregation around Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it's a blessing to be here. Um, I don't know for sure what you was expecting. Uh, This is how I look, and this is how you look, so we kind of got that out of the way. And uh, but um, yeah, it's it's a blessing to be with God's people, and um, you know uh, sometimes when we get in settings like this, you know, and um, we don't really know each other. Um, I just want to challenge you this week. Um, I didn't really come to try to be someone that I'm not. And I just challenge you to just be yourselves. And um, we all have faults. Hopefully this week we can worship together and we can pray together and we can laugh together and we can cry together and we can learn together and um, we can just be all that that God wants us to be so so yeah I um I just challenge you to be yourself and we'll try to be ourselves as much as possible you might not want us to make ourselves totally at home but uh, we'll try to make ourselves at home a little bit so um but uh, a couple papers, um, this one paper here, this is a little scary for me, but I don't have the music to this. Does anybody here know this song? And I know you didn't ask me to come to sing, <laughs> but uh, uh, are, can you learn songs quickly even without the music? Why don't we just all stand a moment, and um, Luke, help me sing out with this, and Gyneth, um wherever you are, if you can kind of sing out. <clears throat> but it's an easy tune, and we may try to sing this um, every evening. And um, if you look at the words of this, uh, who's it all about? Is it about us? 
or is it about him? Just keep that in mind as as we as we sing this song. Um, so don't be afraid to help sing along, even if you're a little bit off. It might just be in with me, you know. So <clears throat> he's the oak and I'm the ivy. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the oil and I'm the vessel. I'm the traveler and He's the way. I'm the flower and He's the fragrance. I'm the lamp and He's the flame. He's the words and I'm the music. I'm the bride who takes His name. Very good. Let's sing that one more time as we get a little bit more familiar. We'll go a little faster, but let's sing that one more time tonight. He's the oak and I'm the ivy. He's the potter, I'm the clay. He's the oil and I'm the vessel. I'm the traveler and He's the way. I'm the flower and He's the fragrance. I'm the lamp and He's the flame. He's the words and I'm the music. I'm the bride who takes His name. Very good. Very good. You can put that in your song sheet holders there or something. We'll try to sing that. Most of the evenings. Um, I would like to possibly every evening give you a precious promise verse from God's Word. Uh, God's Word is, is filled with precious promises. Um, some of the promises, if we're not right with God, are, uh, are not so appealing. But um, if we're right with God, all the promises in God's Word are appealing. And so, um, I think we'll try to take most of them out of the book of Isaiah this week. So, take, uh, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. And tonight, most of the nights, it'll just be um, one verse, but there's two verses here tonight. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I'll read them the first time, and then we'll read them all together the second time. Isaiah 1.18 Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Let's read that together now. And let's, I'll try to follow the commas and things a little bit and we'll try to stay together. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, Ye shall eat of the good of the land. Is that a wonderful thought to you tonight? That all the sins that you've ever committed in your life can be washed away 
under the blood of the Lamb. Or they are, if you're here tonight and you're in right stand. Isn't that a wonderful blessing tonight? Though your sins be as scarlet, Isaiah calls sin red. Scarlet is red. Uh, we often think of sin as being black, but um, it's whatever, it's sin. But it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What a precious promise tonight that we have from God's word that we can claim. I gave you another sheet of paper here tonight, and um, you can just take that with you. Wherever. It's not, nothing real spectacular, but um, this week, Lord willing, I'm not sure what all, I don't come prepared with all the messages that I'm going to preach, but um, I know we want to we focus some down the line of, of the kingdom of God and what that is and what it means to us, and, and there are two kingdoms. There, are, there is the kingdom of this world, and there is the kingdom of God. And, um, and we're going to, as, as we go through different messages this week, Lord willing, we're going to find out that those, those two kingdoms are very much opposite of each other. Okay? So um, just keep that in, in, in your hand there around for a little bit. And a little bit here, we're going we're gonna to look at some verses and we're going to talk about that a little bit as we go more into the message tonight. But, you know, as, as you think of the kingdom of God, Jesus said this. He said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, He said, I will build My church. And He said, The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I want to challenge you as a congregation tonight that until the day that God comes back, there will be a church, okay? God has a plan for us to be part of that, but if we choose not to be, He will still have a church, okay? The choice is ours tonight. He said, I will build my church. And He said, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, the gates of hell will not be able to hold it back. My church is going to go forward. And it's going to be victorious. And it's not in doubt. He is going to have a church. And tonight, that choice is each one of us have that choice tonight, whether we're going to be part of that kingdom. And as I, as, I, as I get to different places and as I've looked at things in my own life and um, I've thought about different things in my own life, um, I've kind of come to realize over the last... Uh, few years or months or how not you know in the last while as i as i immerse myself more in the word of god and and in prayer um i think that sometimes we don't really understand and grasp the battle and the war that is going on between these two kingdoms these kingdoms are enemies okay they're there will never be any peace treaties. There will never be any bringing them together and setting down at the table and trying to work this out. That will never happen. Okay? Because they are two different kingdoms. God said, my kingdom is not of this world. 
He said, my kingdom is not of this world, and it's a different kingdom. And one of the things that I want to challenge you with as we go through this week and as we go through these different meetings, services throughout the week is, is whose kingdom are you fighting for? Okay? Whose kingdom are you fighting for? Whose kingdom are you in? Whose kingdom would you be willing to go to battle for and be unashamed of? Are you ashamed of one of them? You know, I've noticed that the world's not very ashamed. But sometimes God's people's ashamed. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I am not ashamed of it. And we may talk about that some more. But you know, as, as you think of not being ashamed, you know, um, it's kind of interesting. We, we sometimes we get these, these ideas, you know, and these thoughts that, and I hear a lot of excuses, okay? Now I know it's easier for some of us to talk than others. And, um, that's okay. But you know, I, I hear a lot of excuses like, you know, it, it's, it's just not me to talk to someone about the kingdom of God. That's just not me, okay? Well, I guarantee you tonight that if I got on the right subject, that every one of you would have no problem talking to me tonight. Okay? None of you would have any problem talking to you. And you say, well, you know, especially, especially if it's, if it's somebody that I just don't know. You know? Um, you know, it, it just, it's just like, I, um, I just kind of get all tongue tied and I, I don't know what to say and, well, sometimes I can too, but you know, the more special and the more in love we fall and fall in love with someone, it's easier to talk about them and to be less ashamed. You know, um, I don't. In our circles, I don't think I've ever met a grandparent that was ashamed to tell me how many grandchildren they had, and they never even knew me. You know, I say, "How many grandchildren you have?" They don't say um, <coughs> four. <laughs> No, we say, we have four and two on the way. We don't sure how many more. But, yeah, because they're, they're not ashamed of that, you know? Or, you know, uh, you know, or if I see a young man dating a, a young lady and I, and I razz him something, you know, like, um, oh, I'm, I'm glad you see you brought your sister to church tonight or whatever, you know? He'll say, oh no, no, that's not my sister, that's my girlfriend. He doesn't say, oh no, that's not, he's, he's not ashamed of that. You know, here's another thing I th- I think about sometimes is, you know, say that you're standing in Walmart, you know, and um and and you're surrounded by people that you don't know. And and so uh I I would think think most of you probably know what this is, right? This is a credit card, you know. Uh, one of these days we probably won't even have but anyhow. Um And so this is a credit card, you know. And so think, you know, someday think, you know, you're sitting there and you're you're buying your $200 worth of groceries or whatever and 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 so so you uh you don't swipe them anymore do you so you 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 put your chip in that uh in the credit card reader and so you put that in there and and you know you're kind of packaging up your stuff and and you're kind of doing those your different things and 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 you just kind of lay that down on the counter there and you're not really thinking about it and and you're over here and you're putting your things away and and you see that there's this there's this big uh burly man, you know, in line behind you. And just as you happen to glance over there, you happen to notice that, that he kind of reaches up there and just takes that like that, and he just starts walking away. But you're one of these people that if you don't know someone, 
you just, you just get all tongue-tied. And so, you, you know, you sat there and, and you're like, and you go home and you say, honey, I, the guy took my credit card. He says, why didn't he say? Well, I, I just didn't know what to say. I get, all, I get all tongue-tied when I get around people I don't know. And, you know, I mean, I wanted to say something, but, I mean, I was just, I didn't know what to say. And, well, I know you would say, hey, he took my credit card. Stop that guy. He took my credit card. Now, wait a minute, but you're not one to, to speak out, right? You know, one thing that I have found out, that the things that are special to us and that we love, we're willing to go to battle for and we're willing to speak up for. And I tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, the more that we fall into love with Jesus Christ, the easier it is to speak up for Him. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to Matthew. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Keep your Bibles handy because we're going to look at several different passages tonight here a little bit. We want to talk about the kingdom of God. And let's, let's see what, what John the Baptist had to say in Matthew chapter 3. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And let's just read 10. Well, no, let's, let's wait on that. We might come back and catch 10 and 11. But let's flip over to chapter 4, verse 17, and see what Jesus said. When he began his ministry, and it's almost word perfect. I think only the word ye is not in there. From this time forth, uh, Matthew four seventeen. From that time forth, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay. So John the Baptist, uh, when he introduced Jesus... He said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus began His ministry, He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So there's something to the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? Um, We all want to go to heaven. We all say that we're part of the kingdom of heaven. But if someone was to ask you, Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? What would you say? Well, I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know if we can totally describe the kingdom of heaven, okay? Unless you're part of it, I don't think you can totally describe it. But yet, John the Baptist and Jesus himself said, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ's salvation, being adopted into God's family, the kingdom of heaven he said, is at hand. And tonight we want to look at the, at the striking differences between the two kingdoms, okay? The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And um, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And, and this is the passage that goes along with, with this paper that I handed out to you tonight. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to read these verses here. We won't have time to break them all down, but we will read through them. And the Bible tells us 
the difference between the two kingdoms. Okay? So, I believe tonight that when, and I, it's not just what I believe, but I believe it's what the Bible teaches, that when a person is born, okay, he is born with a spirit. That's his flesh. Okay? He's born in the flesh, and he's got a flesh, and we don't have to teach our flesh how to act. Okay? Our flesh, our flesh will act up immediately. If we're hungry, we'll start to cry. If we're cold, we'll start to cry. If we're not warm, or we want whatever, you know, we'll start to cry. I don't think any of you mothers here, you know, I'm not from Wisconsin, but I think we're pretty similar, you know. Um, you know, uh, I don't think any of you mothers here ever had a child that, you know, that was a week and a half old, and, and you know, that didn't cry when they were hungry, right? Really? They cried! And they, and if you didn't come right, if you didn't come soon, they cried louder. And if they didn't come, they cried louder. You know, I don't think any of you had a child that they said, you know, tonight, I know mom's been getting up a lot with me. And I think, I think I just won't cry tonight. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll just sidestep my flesh. And, and even though I'm hungry, I'll just let mom right now. What do they do? When they're hungry, they cry and they demand and they want it. And at that point, they don't even understand it really. But their flesh is saying, I'm hungry. And they're letting you know that I am hungry and I want to eat and I won't be quiet until you feed me. You know? And, and so, so we're all born with a flesh. Uh, how many of you ever had to tell your children at three, four, and five, honey, stop coming to me and telling me all the good things that your brothers and sisters are doing? <laughs> I didn't have any like that. I might have been. No, not really. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've had five, God's blessed me with five wonderful children, but I, I, I never had to tell them. I've never had to tell them. You know, stop coming and telling all the good things that your brothers and sisters are doing. But you know what? We sometimes as children, we, we have to say, listen, that's enough. Come, stop coming and telling me everything wrong that your brother and sisters. See, we're, we're born with that flesh. And that flesh, that flesh is lively. And that flesh, it, it wants what it wants and it wants it now. Okay? But when we come to Christ and we're born again, then we receive another spirit. And that's the Spirit of God. Okay? So, so now, now we have the flesh and they, and you can, I, I, sometimes I hesitate to call the flesh maybe the, the spirit, but it is a spirit. It's not the spirit of God. But you know, so you have the flesh, and then you have the Spirit living within us now. And so, so now we still have that old flesh, but now we have the Spirit of God within us, okay? I don't believe that when the Spirit of God comes into our life, that all of our old flesh is just done away with, and that we never have that anymore. In fact, First John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth of God is not in us, okay? So it says, if we say that we don't have that old sin nature anymore, then we deceive ourselves. I know that some people believe that when you have the Spirit of God, the flesh is totally done away. I've never seen anybody that lived it out that way, okay? 
I've heard people talk about it, but I've never met anybody who all their life lived it out that way. But, on the other hand, we have a lot of people in our circle sitting in our pews and standing behind the pulpit preaching sometimes that say things like this, well, you know, I'm just human. And we all sin. That's not right either, is it? Because I believe as I allow the Spirit of God to overtake my life and to overpower me, my flesh becomes less and less and less, right? The longer I walk with God, the closer I walk with God. Oh, that old flesh is still there. And it wants to, it wants to rise up. But it's overpowered by the Spirit of God in my life. And you know, I believe that every time that I sin, it's because at that moment in that situation, I sidestep the Spirit of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I sidestep the Spirit of God. These two kingdoms are at war. And you know, here's one thing that I just want to tell you right now. You already know this, and it's not a real precious promise or anything, but your flesh will never become like God. Okay? Your flesh will never become more like Christ. Your flesh will not say, well, you know, I, I guess I'm not going to cry anymore. I guess I, I kind of like... Be no. Your flesh will always be your flesh. The only reason why you change is, is because the Spirit of God comes within you and it overpowers that flesh and it gives you a new mind, a new creature. The blessing of passing from this life and going to the next is, is that's when we totally lose that old flesh and we no longer have to struggle. But until then, we have that battle. So let's read these verses here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? That's a promise from God's Word. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do those things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are, the, are manifest, which are these, adultery, Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the Bible says that that list that I just read, it says that people that are I, it doesn't say it this way, but I, I don't believe I don't believe God is setting up there. And the moment we do something wrong, He casts us out. But if we routine, re, routinely just continue to go after these, and we don't care, and we don't repent of these, it says that those sins that I just read, envy. It says that people that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Heresies, wrath. Well, you know, my dad was an angry man and my grandpa was an angry man and I'm just kind of an angry man. You know, we laugh when people say, you know, I was just born that way. 
I was born homosexual. I was born this way. I was born. And we say, oh, but we say some of the same things. Well, you know, that's just kind of a Myers trait, kind of hot-headed, you know. It might be a Myers trait, but it's not a godly trait. Okay, it's a fleshly trait. Okay, but now listen to this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lust. And if he live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, so just take this list that you have in front of you and just look at that a moment. Now, do you think those two kingdoms have anything that are alike? You know, I, I, I wasn't going to do this. I was just going to read out in the Bible, but I thought, man, would you write that on a piece of paper and look at it? It just... Uh, so, um, you know, if you... Um, if you were going to exchange one of them, um, which one? Okay, just tell me and we can exchange them if, if we all agree that that's okay, all right? Um, love. Which one of these over here could we exchange for love? Any? any? No? Um, how about if we go over here and uh, on the flesh and let's, uh, let's exchange wrath, strife. Witchcraft. Um, can, can we exchange any of those things? This means yes, this means no. No. Okay, that's right. We can't exchange any of those things. So, so this side over here is, is our fleshly side. These things are the kingdom of the devil. And these things over here is spirit side. And they are the kingdom of of God. Now, um, here's a question that you that I don't know that we can totally answer. But why do we think that we can have a mixture of both of those sides in our lives and be all right with God? You know what Jesus said? He said, "No man." can serve two masters. Okay? For either he will hate the one and he will love the other, or else he will despise the one and hold to the other. Oh, this... this. <laughs> Do you think Jesus really meant this? Let me finish that verse. Hold your seatbelt, okay? Get fastened, because he said you can't love God and money. Huh? God said, you cannot serve two masters. He said, you can't love God and money. You know, we sometimes read that, and, and Jesus comes to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he said, you know, he said, um, my word says that you can't do this, but you say. I wonder if he came into our circles today if he would say some of that. My word says that you can't serve God and money, but you say, huh? 
Did Jesus ever say? And so because you said that, that makes it all right. Because you as a church decided that that was okay, that makes it all right. Did Jesus ever tell anybody that? That because you as a church decided that if if you, we'll just use money because that's what it says there, that, okay, well, I we decided, Lord, that as a church, we're going to love money and we're still going to love you. Do you think Jesus is going to say, oh, well, yeah, I never thought of that. Why no? He's going to say, you may have said that. I didn't say that. Here's what my word says. And so see, um, I wasn't even coming to really talk about money tonight. But uh, it kind of came up in that verse there. But So it says that, that we can't serve two masters. That we can't serve ourselves and we can't serve God. Okay? And so... Um, now turn with me to Ephesians. Just flip back a few pages. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, to the uh, back. Ephesians chapter 6. And um, it says in verse 10 there, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now this verse, these verses here make it very clear, okay? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Donald Trump and Putin can be friends and enemies at the same time. I don't know. I don't understand it all. I don't think anybody understands it all. I'm not sure they understand it all, but anyhow, um, you know, or, or maybe at one point we, we're kind of friends with one country and then we're kind of enemies with them and then we're kind of friends with them and, and then we're kind of enemies and, and then we kind of stand together and, and then we're kind of against each other. And, and in worldly things, sometimes that can kind of happen a little bit that way, but never in the spiritual realm. Never. Never. It says, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Is your strength tonight in God? Is that where it's at? Or is it in the fact that you've got money, you've got a job, you've got a nice wife, you've got a family, things are going pretty good, you've got health, you've got a boyfriend, you've got a girlfriend... You've got, you've got the four-wheel drive. You've got, you shot the nice buck. You know, what, what is it? You know, what, what, what keeps me going? What gives me the zeal and the fire to go? Is it the kingdom of God? Or is it the things that I possess of this world? Which one is it? It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen to what we're fighting against, people. You know, and I, I have some concern about this because it's in our circles, it's in other circles. We kind of have this idea a little bit, okay, of easy believism. Our children come to 10, 11, 12 years old and, and we just say a prayer with them and they're into the kingdom. And we just kind of go through life and we start a nice business and... And we make good money and we have a family and we live inside of the standards of the church. and Or at least we do enough so that nobody 
ruffles their feathers or anything, you know. And um, we think that we're living the kingdom life. Now, some of the numbers of those things can be part of the kingdom life and are part of the kingdom life. But the kingdom life is much more than that. It says that when I join the army of God, that I'm joining forces against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It says that we stand we, to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I want to challenge you tonight, brothers and sisters. The devil has no mercy. None. Zero. He will never have one ounce of mercy. God is merciful and He calls us to come to His kingdom. He wants to help us. He wants to protect us. But the devil is, has no mercy. There's people at 95 years old, two hours away from taking their last breath, and the devil is hounding them. You've never been saved. You didn't believe that. You didn't whatever. He is without mercy. Don't think for a moment that because you're really sick or because you're really this or that, that the devil's going to say, you know, I'm just going to take it a little easy on him. No, he is out to get us. He is crafty. He will go after us with every everything that he has. You know, I thought about this the other morning. My son and I, um, we went out last Saturday morning, we went out together and we uh, was doing some hunting there at a piece of property that we own. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there in that stand, and I was kind of enjoying the morning. And, uh, you know, you are closer to God in a deer stand. Did you know that? But anyhow, um, but, you know, uh, I was sitting there in a the stand, and I, I, I was to, supposed to preach and things. And I was maybe thinking about them. I'm sure what all I was thinking about. And, you know, I looked over the edge of the woods and I seen these six deer come out of the edge of the woods. And I, I just kind of sat there and I watched them. They were maybe 100 yards away, you know. And I um, <clears throat> sat there and watched them. They they came out for a while and then they came down through the ditch and came up over onto our property. And there were two mature doe in there. And I don't know if it was four yearlings or four smaller ones anyhow. And... Um, but two really mature doe in there. And, you know, as I watched them, they were so alert. I mean, they were just, I mean, they, you know, this one would be looking that way and this one would be looking that way. And I tell you, some of them old doe, it's hard to trick them. It's hard to fool them. But, uh, you know, and they would look this way and that way. And they'd take a few steps and they'd look around and sometimes they, you know, sometimes they'd, smell the air, you know. And here danger was just setting right up here, just watching them, you know. And they kind of went up to the corner of our woods there, and, and then they turned. And they came. I had kind of decided that morning I wasn't going to shoot anything unless it was a buck, but um, uh, they kind of turned and and just came right down. Pat, and boy, they came slow, and they'd stop and look around. They'd look around, you know, and they'd come real slow. And they'd walk by 
15 to 20 yards from where I was in my stand, all six of them. She walked by me, walked on by and stopped. And eventually, they they just walked right on by and went on over into the next property eventually with time. And I don't know where they went from there. But, you know, as, as, I, as you sit there and you watch that and you're thinking about spiritual things, you know, those, those deer, for all that they knew, were extremely cautious. And they were wise. And they hadn't gotten to that age by being careless. You know? But um, I just sat up there and I could look right down on them. And they thought they were being so careful and so safety conscious. You know, and I have to think about that as the devil. He wants us to, you know, he doesn't really care that if on in my own strength I'm really cautious and I'm really careful and I'm really looking around. And boy, I tell you, I'm trying to find the devil behind every bush. And, and um, you know, uh, he's not really so alarmed if I'm doing that in my own strength. Because when I'm doing that in my own sight and in my own strength, he knows that it's just a matter of time until I walk right into his trap right into his prey. I can even, you know, maybe those does were trying to teach those young ones that this is how you're careful. And this is how you're cautious. See? I mean, you know, obviously they don't talk. But at least ours don't. But, um, you know, but, uh, you know, you know, so many times in our own lives we try to do that in our spiritual battles. Well, we're going to be really careful. And we're going to be really cautious. But we don't go to God. We don't go to that power. We don't cry out to God and say, God, we are living in a world of sin and of deception. We're living in the last days. And Lord, I don't know where the devil's coming from next. But you do. You know, we have too many professing Christians today that are trying to just be careful walking through this world without the power of God in their lives. And they're being entrapped. And they're being deceived. Has that been the cry of your heart that, God, I want to be part of your kingdom? I don't want to be deceived. God, I want to be part of that church. I want to be intentional about it. I want to, I want to do whatever I have to do. And brothers and sisters, tonight, I believe that when we recognize the value of the kingdom, we will do that. Okay? When we recognize the importance and the value of the kingdom, we will do that. But you know, when I go to the, the when I'm looking for a truck or something, I go to the dealership and to me the truck isn't worth fifty thousand dollars, okay, or whatever they're asking for it, you know? And so I don't buy it. Because I I don't see the value in having that fifty thousand dollar truck or whatever it might be. And so I go do something else. 
But tonight, brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you. You know, would you understand, you know, for most of you men tonight, if I rolled a new $50,000 pickup truck in here and I said the first $5,000 buys it, I would have a lot of takers tonight because you would understand that $5,000 for that $50,000 truck is a value. It's a steal. But sometimes when it comes to the kingdom of God, the value of it is, well, yeah, I want to make heaven, but I want as much of this world as I can. I want, you know, and I don't know what you think of when you think as much of this world as I can. Okay, that en- that entails every area of our life. So many times we think, well, you know, I I, I want to be part of the kingdom of God, but yet, let's see what Jesus said. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man gained? Or what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Turn to Matthew 7 while you're right there. Matthew 7, and we want to read these verses. Verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, we often, we often talk about the narrow road. That the Christian life is a narrow road. And it is, looking at it from that way. I don't disagree with that. But I think that one point that we miss it is as important as any of them is that the entry to that road is narrow. Does that make sense? It's not like a funnel. It's not like a funnel that, okay, here's the cross, and so we kind of start out here, and, and, and so, you know, the, well, the funnel's big, you know, and so after we go through the cross, then, then it starts to funnel down, and it becomes a small funnel to where, no, we come to the cross, and the opening is small to enter. Because in order to enter into that narrow way, you have to give up yourself and die. Alright? And we have too many people thinking that they can walk through that cross and still have their flesh fully alive. And that with time, we'll just grow as we go down the road. You'll still grow. That's ab- absolutely... But I tell you what, brothers and sisters, if our will is not broken at the cross... When we enter the narrow way, we're not going to enter the narrow way. Okay? Does that mean that when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ that we have to be perfect? Absolutely not. That, that after we accept that narrow way that we're absolutely perfect? No, but our will has been broken. 
You know, we used to have a, a dog. We had a few dogs. We don't have any animals anymore, but um, uh, we had a dog. And, you know, that dog was frustrating sometimes. Sometimes it was fun. But, you know, we take that dog and, um, you know, as long as that dog was on a chain, I could control it. When it would see the neighbor's cat, it would go, it could go crazy and, you know, it could lunge and it could jump, but I could just kind of smile because, you know, there's no way he could get the neighbor's cat. But you know, um, if that dog was loose and, and, I think, what was it, Dixon? Well, anyhow, doesn't matter. Um, you know, that old dog would be sitting there, and he'd get that real stiff look, and he'd be looking over there. I thought, oh, no. I'd say, Dixon, come here. And I tell you what, once he broke, I mean, there was no stopping him. I remember one time, my wife, he was running down the yard, and she said, I wish I had a shock collar. <laughs> she would have shocked him good and right, you know. But, you know, his will wasn't broken. And that was just a dog. I mean, he... You know, you can train a dog and you can teach a dog and discipline him enough and set enough boundaries and, and get a fence and, and all these different things to keep him in the yard and, and you can probably do it. But as soon as those things are gone, he sees that cat again and pretty shortly he's just right after that cat. You know, I think for too many years in my life I was, I was that way and I still wrestle with those things. But how is it for you tonight? Is it because you understand the value of the kingdom that you're in it? Or unless you're chained and, and electric fenced and shock collars and and whatever all. You're just lunging. You're lunging for the other kingdom. And you would love to have it. But it's okay to have some of those things in place. We need some of those things in our life to deny ourselves. But is that is that ultimately what's keeping you? Or is the value of the kingdom? Turn to Matthew. And um, Matthew... Uh, chapter um, 13. And Jesus gives a very interesting story here of a man who understood the value of the kingdom. Matthew 13, verse 44. Sorry, I gave you the wrong verse there. Matthew 13, 44. says again, the kingdom of heaven... It's like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. You kind of tend to think, um, yeah. But you know, when Jesus spoke that, that was in a day. How many of you here, probably none of us here, I, I, none of us here ever came through the Great Depression, right? <laughs> We've had some great depressions, but not the great depression, right? Um, but my grandpa, 
came through the Great Depression. And he did not trust banks. He would not put his money in a bank. I don't know if he ever did, hardly. Maybe in his later years. But you know, he didn't have trust in that bank because he had seen the banks collapse and and everybody lose everything that they had. Well, back in these days, there probably wasn't necessarily these types of banks and things. And so it was common that that a person, if they had a treasure or if they had some money, that they would they would put this in a container or something and they would go out at night or when no one else was around or whatever and and they would dig a hole somewhere and they would put that treasure in there and they'd cover it back up, you know, and put the leaves back over it and they wouldn't tell anybody where that was. Only they knew where that was. And sometimes in those days, they would do a treasure like that and and the person would pass away and never tell anybody else. And nobody knew that there was even a treasure in that field. Or maybe enemies invaded the land and they were driven out and nobody knew that treasure was there. And You know, one day one of the servants is out and he's plowing the field and he's digging around and all of a sudden, phew, there comes up a bar of gold, a brick of gold. Whoa. And instantly he begins to think that somebody hid a treasure in this field of great value and nobody else knows where it's at. So he covers it back up. Says he hideth it again. Covers it back up. And he goes to the owner of that field. And he says, what do you want for that field? And the owner says, that's not for sale. He said, no, I want to buy that field. You know, there's over in the Amish community, we're not uh, over by church, there's 118 acres for sale, and it's a treasure. Somebody told me they offered them 22500 an acre for it before the auction, and they declined. I'd say that's a treasure, but I don't know what you call a treasure, but that's a lot of money. Now, if we're us poor folk, we're not in that area. But, you know, it's because because they realize that there's no more of that. And they want that for their family. And they want that 118 acres. And, and, and they're willing to basically give whatever it takes to get that. Well, so this man, he's out and he finds this. And so he goes and he says, eh. yeah, I'm not really in for selling that. How about 20,000 an acre now? 25? Thirty? The guy's like, man, what's wrong with this guy? You know. So finally, I mean, money usually talks for most of us, you know, at some point. So finally, when it gets high enough, the guy says, "Okay, yeah, I'll sell it." And so it says, "For joy," he says, "It doesn't matter." He said, "I'll sell everything I got in order to be able to purchase that field because I understand the treasure that is in that field." And the owner walks away with all this cash in his pocket and says, how foolish. The property wasn't worth half of that. But the man who bought it goes home jumping and dancing and runs into the house. You know? And he says, honey, I got the property. You know? 
And he goes out and she probably thinks he's off of his rocker too a little bit. But he goes out and he begins to open it up. And he says, look at the treasures. Look at this. Right here is, there's more value right here by far than anything that I paid for it. And um, Jesus said that's how I like to call us kingdom lifers. Okay, that means we're in the kingdom for life. We're going to be in here for life. As long as we, we are faithful to God, we're kingdom lifers. I believe tonight that a kingdom lifer understands the value of the kingdom and he's willing to sell whatever it takes in order to purchase the property. Does that make sense tonight? Is that where you're at tonight? Is the kingdom that valuable to you? We're going to stop tonight. I had a few other things to share, but it's time to close for tonight. And, and, and we may, we may, I'm not for sure how the Lord will lead, but we're going to pick up possibly with a few more of those things tomorrow and then go on. So, um, I just challenge you tonight. I, I, I like to challenge people to think. <laughs> um, something that our society is doing less and less of is thinking. And, um, if you think about it, <clears throat> It's not a homework assignment. That kind of gives it a bad connotation. But if you think about it, some tonight when you go home and you lay your head down on your pillow or, or tomorrow at work or whatever, just ask yourself that question. How valuable is the kingdom to me? Don't put value in it in words. Evaluate the value of it by how you've lived your life the last year. That indicates how valuable the kingdom is. God bless you. Let's stand together. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can be part of a kingdom that is never going to fade. That it has phenomenal value tonight. So, God, thank you for each person that came. Lord, Thank you for continually showing us, Lord. I, I need to understand more of the value of the kingdom in order to be, in order to sell the things that are not valuable. Sometimes to just destroy them or whatever it takes. So God, thank you for each person here tonight. Bless them as they go from here and keep them. Bless them for the time that they took to come and to listen and to be fed. and Lord, I pray that You would just give me the words. Lord, I don't know what I'm preaching tomorrow night yet. But Lord, You do. I just pray that You would lead, guide, and direct. Thank You, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray.